0: Welcome to Inside Today's Country, the show that gets the real stories from today's country stars. Stories you haven't heard anywhere else. Your host is Tim Black. Tim has been on the radio interviewing the biggest stars in the business and discovering new talent for more than 20 years. And now in his very own podcast. Are you ready? Let's go Inside Today's Country. On this edition of Inside Today's Country, we meet up with Wes Mack, who has a brand new album called Soul. We'll talk about that and the title track. Plus, did you know that Wes is an actor a director and he likes to journal daily plus he learned this from a fan
1: that it's not mine anymore like once you put that thing out into the world that belongs to whoever's listening to it
0: all that and more as we go inside today's country We're going to welcome Wes Mack onto the podcast this week from Vancouver. How are things in Vancouver?
1: Yeah, it's not raining. So, I mean, that's, uh, that in and of itself is a celebration at this time of year
0: here. You know, people always say about the city of Vancouver, it's a, a wonderful city until it rains.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, I've lived here long enough that rain doesn't bother me too much. Uh, I grew up in Calgary. And when I first moved here, it it, it did bug me a lot because. Yeah. You think you like you're kind of used to on the prairies when it rains, it rains hard mm-hmm. for a brief period of time. Whereas here, it just kind of will go for. I remember the first January I ever spent here, it rained 30 days in a row. We we set a record.
0: I'm a West Coast guy. I grew up in Victoria. Uh, Gore oh, right Gore Tex has to be part of your wardrobe.
1: You know, I uh, uh, it's not, and I <laughs> I'm I'm ridiculous like this in that I literally la- like uh, last year just finally bought waterproof boots and i have lived out here for like 14 years
0: <laughs> i don't know
1: i don't know are you wearing I, your
0: sandals or what
1: I, I you know i've just never had the huge problems with it. i yeah <laughs> you know, i'm I'm a, I'm a guy who doesn't mind carrying an umbrella and i just kind
2: of you know that's funny around. that
0: you, you interesting you say that because the fact that you're carrying an umbrella you're a prairie kid uh when you, out here in the prairies people don 't carry umbrellas, and I always oh, think no, it's i always think it's funny it will just blow away well <laughs> <laughs> okay that 's true the new album is out uh, the title is soul tell us about it
1: yeah soul is
0: why the why I the name say. soul where did it come from
1: it's named soul the uh from the title track uh which is of course also called soul which mm. was a. it 's the first song that i 've ever commercially released that I wrote alone which is uh Everything about this record was really getting me back to the way that I used to love making music. It was very creativity first and just having fun with music first as opposed to any consideration of like, oh, how do you make a hit or what sounds good for radio or anything like that? Because I feel like you can go really far down that road when you're trying to please everybody around you. Mm-hmm. And then you're not making music that you love anymore. And it just feels like you you become lost. And I feel like I hit that phase somewhere a number of years ago. And this is me sort of coming back to the way I like to make music. And so, honestly, I sat down one morning and... I do this thing, uh, I, I try to every morning get up and write three pages of stream of consciousness. No, uh, it's not, not song, it's not anything in particular. It literally, it's just whatever comes to mind.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I find it's really good for getting ideas moving and just like generally working through a lot of stuff. And one day I sat there, I was doing this, and it started to sound like whips. And so I just let it go line for line. And I never actually edited a single line or knew where the next line was going to go, but in about five minutes I'd written the entire song. I just picked up a guitar and the chords were there and the melody was there and it felt like more, the song was already there and I just had to sort of pull it out of the air and put it on a page. Um, And that to me kind of felt like the the way I tried to go about this album. So when I finished it and it's called Soul, I was like, oh, I think that's what the whole album will be called too. Mm -hmm. The idea of like just letting uh, creativity and your imagination kind of be the, f- the first thing and then and then letting the any commercial stuff or how to produce it or any of that, like, would be, would be the next question.
0: The little journaling thing that you do. How did you get into that?
1: There's a book I read called The Artist's Way, I'd really highly recommend it not uh, to everyone, uh, uh, not just artists, it, it, the, the applications of it are, are really helpful in life. Um, and there's a number of little pieces of homework it gives you to do. Um, that's one of them is, is the pages that you write every day. Uh, and another one, it's it Jesse do. And it's probably my favorite. Um, it's called an artist date. And you're supposed to go once a week for like two hours and just do whatever your like inner child would want to do, whatever that means to you. That could be go to a movie. It could mm-hmm. be go to a concert on your own. And you got to do it alone. Just be like present and be aware and, and don't make it work. Don't make it productive. Um, you know, like one night I went and rented out a, a studio and just like with a drum kit in it and played drums for two hours. And I, I don't remember the last time I was in a music rehearsal space where I wasn't with a band like rehearsing for a show or doing something like that. And whereas this was just like a lot of it just took me back to the way like I would do those kind of things when I first got into them. You know, I was first learning to play drums, first learning to play guitar, first, mm-hmm. you know, watching movies where you're not thinking about like, Okay, how can I make this productive? But I feel like as you as you turn your, you know, as you as you acquire a career in the entertainment business, and I, I would say this for you know anyone in any business of whatever you're, you know, whatever you turn into your career, they, it takes on like a work component, you know, and and it, and it has to uh, obviously because you know obviously it's there's there's a business side to it, but I think it's like a process of trying to rediscover the joy of what got you into whatever it is you're doing. And so that's uh, a a lot of this album was actually kind of going hand in hand with with starting to read that book and doing a bunch
0: of that stuff. Why did you get into this this crazy business? Uh, That's a good question.
1: Um, I don't know if I ever really made too conscious a choice of it. I, I think I was playing in a band that I started when I was 13 years old or 12 years old, and we played together until we were 20. And when I was about 14, so like a year or so into it, I remember sitting on my couch um my best friend who's like still my best friend and literally is like you know came on the shania tour with me and we've got to play together for for years and he said like oh like i want to be a professional musician like i want to play bass and like play music for the rest of my life and i think that was the first time i'd ever considered that as like a real possibility Like i just say it had never dawned on me before that you could do that mm-hmm. um And I, you know, shortly thereafter, was like, oh, that's what I want to do too. I think that's – nothing makes me feel as fulfilled as taking – it's it's the process of taking sort of like raw imagination and turning it into something and putting it out there for people to see. It's a lot of fun. Um, And I mean that kind of same joy of doing that I think is what pulled me into acting and has pulled me into directing just like – yeah, they're, they're kind of shades of something similar.
0: No, see, I didn't know about your acting career. Tell me about that.
1: Right. Well, I uh, sometime around when I was like 21 or something got into acting. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's one of the other things where it's sort of just one thing leads to the next and that I've been fortunate over the last you know, 10 years or something to build a career like acting in films and on TV. Um, I got into acting originally... I guess, weirdly, the, like, sort of life moment that led me there, I was sitting in a university class, I was sitting in a quantum mechanics class in the second year, and I, my intention was to get an arts degree with, like, a physics minor. Okay. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I was the only person in the wow. world. It's, it's, Uh, I, I, my strong suit that coming out of high school, I was really good in like, physics and calculus, like, I was, those things came really easily to me. Great, right. do you want to tutor um, my son?
0: And
2: I
1: found him really, sorry, say again?
0: Do you want to tutor my son?
1: Oh boy, I'd be a little rusty Um, But I, you know, it was things that I just enjoyed And it sounded interesting Um, And so I started taking uh, But I didn't want to major in that stuff in university I didn't really know definitively what I wanted to do At that point in time, beyond playing music But I I did want to, you know, to to be there So I figured, okay, cool I'll do a mixture of this And then I'll have some, you know, some options along the way And I, uh, but I realized While I was sitting there in second year I was like, I think that like the the degree of difficulty in that course was going to take up all of my time, like the amount of time I was going to allocate to my minor was going to overshadow that of my major, mm-hmm. and I would probably not get as high of grades in that because like I all of a sudden found myself in a room with people who were like absurdly smart, and like I I, I felt like I could run with them, but uh, at great cost to myself. So I was like, you know what, I'm really happy in university right now. I'm playing in a band that I love. And I'd like a little more time on my hands, so I went down, and it was it was kind of a big life decision moment. But I'm like, oh, this isn't irrevocable. Um, I went down to the advising office, and I dropped all my math and physics courses, and I picked up some random arts classes that I felt would be good padding for grades. One of them was a theater class, <laughs> uh, and I didn't really think much of it. But I, over the course of the, like the four months I was in it, I was like, oh man, I actually really like acting, and so I. Over the course of being there took basically every other acting course i could take
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and did a bunch of plays and that like and uh on my last day at ubc i left class and had booked my first day on the vampire diaries i had one line and i was peeing guy number one <laughs> uh, <laughs> the illustrious so that's in- on your resume then right? oh yeah yeah that's better <laughs> man um so, and from there, I just like, honestly, I I dove into that stuff. And so when I finished, I, you know, I immediately, when I finished university, started working on my first like West Mac country record. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time was like going out and acting and, you know, yeah, I, I remember I, I booked a show called Smallville in my first year of doing that. And it was like a big, like thrust into this whole other world. And again, it was kind of one of those weird moments where prior to, getting cast in something like that, you don't really believe that that can happen. Mm-hmm. At least I didn't.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so all, all of a sudden it was just like a little thing like that it was like, Oh, you, you can do this. Okay. Well, cool. Maybe I can just keep doing this. Uh, a lot of what I've done has been that sort of dip a toe in and realize that you've, you've actually dove in headfirst is the same with directing. And that like, I wanted to shoot music videos for myself and I had no budget or idea what I was doing, but mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, I'm just, I mean, how hard can it be? So I went and bought a a $500 Canon camera Mm -hmm. and I bought the fourth year textbook at UBC for film and I read it cover to cover and I was like, okay, well we can start. Uh, And I I directed a friend's music video for him and and just like sort of like, I remember at one point realizing, you know, I had like 20 people on set, all of them just volunteering their time. And like I rented all these lights and like we bought all this like weird equipment from like home hardware and built like a camera dolly. And I was just like, I was way over my depth. Um, but I just sort of kept making it up and, and, you know, it, the the rest just sort of continued to unfold into weirdly having a career and doing all these
0: things. Somebody's, you know, listening to this now and is in school and maybe they want to try, you know, getting into the acting thing or the directing thing or the music music thing and just yeah. give it, give it a shot, see what happens.
1: Yeah, I think there's no harm in it. I think the biggest thing you like the piece of advice I would always try to give anyone is just like to not be afraid to suck at it initially. <laughs> I think that's an important phase. Like Actually, all we, of these things that I
0: we say the same thing in uh, in the broadcast world. Don't be scared to suck.
1: Well, you got to. I think sucking at something is a key phase for, uh, it, to, on the way to being good at something. Like at all of these things, I was terrible at them when I started. I'm I'm sure of it. I was not like particularly. You know, it, like I, there's no way I had any technical skill in it. Maybe I had some natural talent for it. I have no idea. I have mm. no control over that, but I just wanted to do it. And so, like, cause I think that the, the mistake a lot of people will make uh, is if you compare your amateur work to the work of the masters, you know, if you take your favorite director's film that has a hundred million dollar budget and you compare your first indie, like are the first frames that you're filming of your buddy playing guitar and you go, oh, I'm a terrible director. That's crazy. That's not, that's so apples to oranges that it's, it's stupid. Uh, and I think you have to, you know, if anything, if you want to like try and hunt out some of the earliest, like short films of mm-hmm. some of your favorite directors or early work of favorite actors or early work, if you can find it of, of musicians you love and surprise, a lot of it's not great. Uh, as you know, cause it's like you, you don't expect to be able to be born and and then all of a sudden run 100 meters at, at Olympic speed, you start crawling first.
2: Right.
1: Uh, uh, it's, and we all forget that, I find. And you just want to like compare your stuff and very quickly beat it up for not being as good as the, the best.
0: I mean, that's a, a good piece of advice to give, uh, especially for the younger generation who all, all of a sudden nowadays decide that they just have to have it right now. They, they They just expect things to happen for them, right?
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of that's like this huge pressure. Uh, social media creates a really negative space where it's like you need to share it. And, and it's a, it's a pretty crappy environment. Like I, I can't imagine personally like doing you know, junior high or high school with, with like Instagram in that it's so much additional pressure to like have it together that yep. uh, you need that space. You need that like sandbox to allow whatever you want to do in life to, like, grow. You, you can't – there's every analogy possible. It's like you don't plant a seed and have a tree the next day.
0: <laughs> You're missing a step. Really? Uh, okay. Good to know.
1: <laughs> Surprise. Come on, my gardens
0: yeah. never work.
1: <laughs> and, and, you know, I honestly think that there there are another bunch of examples. I've talked to a lot of my like, music friends about this, of artists who, when they're very young, sign a label deal – And all of a sudden have like amazing success thrust upon them and i find some of them really stumble with what to do in any number of situations like i like i grew up you know before i had any commercial success as a musician i'd spent you know like over a decade playing like terrible bar shows Mm -hmm. and you know crappy gigs to no humans and like you know, uh, running the PA system with one hand while playing guitar with the other. (laughs) And and I feel like, but like, I I have a, you know, I I bond with a lot of other artists over this who who have done similar things as that, and that, you know what to do when something goes wrong on stage, or, you know, how to like emotionally handle it. If you hit road bumps, because I, I don't think any career goes like from the ground to the top and stays there and has no bumps along the way. There will be some problems. And if you're like, if you expected things to happen overnight, and if maybe, hello oh and behold, they did, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like you might lack some of the the depth to deal with any of those bumps, um, or to like bring interesting stories to to life.
0: Tell me some of the interesting stories that are on the new Soul album. I think a
1: lot of it's woven into like how that record was made. Um, I think uh, Never Have I Ever is kind of an interesting like turning point in that record, mm-hmm. um, where I'd said like before in this that. I got to a place I think for sure where I was trying to chase after, you know, a popular sound and really run music from a place of like, all right, design it for the fans and like, what do they want to hear? And I had this big sort of snapback moment where I'm like, you can't, you can't do that. Like, you, uh, it's it's totally cart before the horse. I can't know what anyone's going to think of any of my music. I can't know what will work. I can't know. How things will be received commercially, and if I put all that stuff first, I'm not having any fun, and mm-hmm. I'm probably not making as good of music. So, I came down. We we were working. Actually, we had never have I ever done. And I came down to the studio, and we had a totally different version of it recorded. It was a song I'd written, and we'd taken it and kind of turned it. It was very dancey and very poppy, and I. I remember calling the guys come down to the studio who I was working with. Um, you know, like I, I co-produced the whole record, so I called my co-producer and a couple mm-hmm. of the other session guys, and I brought them down there without really explaining what I was gonna say. And I was like, okay, uh, what I want to do is I want to delete everything we did on Never Have I Ever. And they were all like, ha, 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 so <laughs> funny. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm serious. This is my crazy artist moment here with you. Uh, here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to take this song back to nothing and record it and try and like not lose the story of the song and keep it much simpler and keep it like don't add hooks for the sake of adding hooks just try and do this organically and make music the way like make make it the way that i actually want it to sound for me because Mm -hmm. that's the only thing you can't control how anyone else will ever hear that song all i can know is how i hear it and if i'm feeling like I don't really like it. And I'm just hoping other people will Mm -hmm. terrible place to create stuff from and just not what I want to do as an artist. And so we took it apart. And then weirdly over the course of doing that song, I remember one night my co-producer Jordan called me. He's like, it was like, it was really late at night. It was like driven home from the studio. It was like one in the morning or something. when I got home and he said like, Hey, like this is my favorite piece of music I can remember working on. And like, five or six years, like in the last like chunk of time. Uh, and, and he's like, I think we're really doing something cool here. And I was like, yeah, I really feel the same. And, and it was just this weird little aha moment where the rest of the record was governed by this. of It wasn't like, okay, time to roll out the, these instruments on it because that's what's on all these hit songs. Let's listen to what's on the chart. Let's A, B this against the top five songs right now. Uh, we never did that again. Uh, it was totally the other direction of just like, I remember for like when we finished "Soul," uh, which is again like my favorite track on there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and actually probably all the. I didn't A B it against anything, you know. There was no like, does this sound like this? Does it sound like this? It was like, cool, let's make this. And if I like how it sounds, I'm we're, that's it. And, and that's not to be overly selfish with it. It's more just I'm saying like I don't know how anyone else will hear it, but I have to believe in it for it to mean anything to me. And then if anyone else does, great that they're going to find whatever meaning they want in it. You know, I, I remember doing the, the Schneider tour years ago and one of our first stops, we did a meet and greet. We did, we did a meet and greet every night. There was, was one stop where fan came up to me and says, Hey, like your song before you drive me crazy, it, this is what it means to me. And they told me a kind of personal story. And like, again, it got me through that. And I remember thinking in my head, like, Oh, that's great. But like, that's not at all what I meant in that song. Like, that's not what that song's about. And, and but you know, again, like, you know, I, gave him a hug and had, you know, finished the conversation. But it was later that night I was thinking about it again. And I was like, hang on. Like, I think I'm wrong. And I think they're right. And that it's not mine anymore. Like once you put that thing out into the world, that belongs to whoever's listening to it. And mm-hmm. I think of all the songs that mattered to me growing up where who knows if I misheard the lyrics or misunderstood what the writer was trying to say, it doesn't matter. Uh, it was for me what it needed to be. And that was probably one of the most liberating things me as a songwriter to accept and that you don't have to be clear you just you know it it becomes my job to just put down whatever it is I'm feeling and you know make it something that I love Mm -hmm. and connect with and then beyond that it's up to the world to decide what that song will mean or anything like that
0: Wes I love your uh, your outlook on life and and the way that you look at music I think this is an amazing uh story that you have and you're just putting out music for for the sake of putting out music you know I think think sometimes we get caught up in the the way that the music is put out in our world now that it has to be catchy it has to have a, some kind of you know something that's going to draw you in but for those of us who are music purists and just love listening to music this is what you're doing thanks
1: man I I mean that's what I'm trying to do and like I also kind of trust somewhere in there like I I feel- like i know how to write a song at this point so it's like yeah will it have a melody that's that people can sing along to it probably will but i'm not going to sit there and be like is this the catchiest version of it like i I just remember for years getting into this and going down to nashville and writing and the not like it's so it becomes so clinical and so mathematical of like okay let's analyze these five pop melodies here okay what's the common thread like they're moving over okay it's going to go like this and I feel like I've never written the best music that way. The best stuff has always been that weird. Like it just kind of was pulled out of the air. I mean, even the songs that I've had that have been like my biggest commercial successes Mm
2: -hmm. were
1: not written by numbers. They were always like, it, it just was there. You know, I feel like your subconscious is so much better at writing and doing like many things than your conscious mind is. I mean, you know, you, you got to look at what your subconscious is trusted with. Your heart beats on its own. You breathe for the most part, unless you think about it, and now we're both thinking about it. But you do that on your own. Uh, I feel like the human body is really great at, at, at a bunch of things and doesn't trust our overly worrying conscious mind sometimes <laughs> to drive the ship. And so it's like if you want to take your really conscious, analytical mind and be like, "Cool, do something really artistic." I think it's it's like an overload at times. It's like there's too much to analyze. You know. Like, your conscious mind is good at making sure that, like, that the cheetah doesn't eat you. I feel like that's what humans are evolved to do. Like, that's our fight-or-flight response. Like, okay, we're there to design to to make sure that you don't starve to death and, like, that you have a roof above you. And you're going to solve those kind of problems with your conscious mind. But, like, a lot of the emotional stuff and creative stuff, I feel if you think too hard about it, Mm -hmm. um, you kind of get in your own way.
0: Dude, I, you know, this has just been amazing, listening to your your whole story. I think uh, learning more depths of what uh, Wes Mack is all about, and I think this is very cool.
1: Thank you. Thanks for giving me the platform to do it. You, know, you don't always get to, on shorter interviews, get to give you your life story and explain a quantum mechanics class and all your views on the subconscious. <laughs> you know, still not, never going to know hard. what
0: a quantum mechanics class is. I, uh, you know, no, you, you're one. No, of, dude,
1: it's pretty, it's, <laughs> it's cool stuff. It's probably even over my depth at this point. It probably always was. Who knows? What are, uh,
0: what are you listening to right now? Um,
1: let's see. What are some of my favorite? I'm always listening to John Mayer. I, I, I do like. Why, uh, why John Mayer? John Mayer, uh because i used to i did not like john mayer at all when when i when he first sort of appeared i felt he was this sort of pretentious uh you know totally over the top art wanky kind of artist and i think it's one of the things that i I grew into it somewhere along the lines Mm -hmm. um i I love like i I love john mayer uh, you know beyond most artists at this point and that i feel like he kind of makes music along these same lines that it seems to just be like these days particularly in the last handful of records. It's really for him. Seems to be stuff that he really personally enjoys and doesn't feel like it's chasing pop charts around. And I really admire that he's a musician who for his musicianship can go and sell out an arena and I don't know if he's had a song like on radio in years. And he just has like, you know, diehard fans who for for me it's I go to his songs and like he's a brilliant songwriter. And the production is always extremely minimal, and it's just what you need to tell that story, and nothing additional on top of it. It feels very effortless. Uh, so I'm a big fan of him. Uh, I've been listening a lot to this um, Scottish artist Lewis Capaldi, and who I has just gone. His song just went number one in the states, and I I think I would I would if I were a betting man I would say by this time next year he'll be like the biggest thing in pop music. uh um, oh. He's just got like a cannon of a voice. Like it sounds like it's a chainsaw, like just super, super grindy, but is I, uh, it's so lighthearted and so hilarious on social media. He's this like very unconventional looking guy, like not your classically good looking dude. He's kind of this chubby Scottish guy, but he seems to really just like appreciate that this is all happening and that he's got a career and doesn't seem to take it too seriously. I think that's big for me yeah. uh, with artists of like, you can take the art seriously, but you can't take yourself too seriously because, like, at the end of the day, none of this is, we're not saving lives. We're just hopefully uh, making some people's lives a little better.
0: West Mac, where can people find you on social media?
1: You can find me uh, at West Mac Music is my handle across, like, every piece of social media that exists. So you can find me there, or you can go to westmacmusic.com, and it'll just lead you back to my social media.
0: And the album is out now. People can download it, stream it, listen to it wherever. I want to thank you very much for uh, spending some time with us and uh, getting to know you a little bit better. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for chat. Thanks for listening to Inside Today's Country with Tim Black. Don't forget to like and subscribe. This has been a Tim TimBlockOnAir.com production.